0: Welcome to Valley Community Church. Our Sunday sermons are available online to help you grow in your Christian faith. Our messages are practical and applicable truths from the Bible for today's life challenges. And now, Senior Pastor David Schmaltz. Hey Amen. we are in a series called The Blessed Life. I'm excited about this series. It's been very, very uh, deep. It's been, it's been good. It's gonna be rich. We're gonna cap it off today. Last week we had uh, Mike Dunn, our head deacon come up here, and he shared part of his testimony. Very, very powerful. The things that God did in his life and is continuing to do, and what a blessing he is to our, our local church and his leadership. And I will mention real quickly, he is going to do the Dave Ramsey um, uh, financial series in the fall. So, it's going to be a small group offered, so you're going to want to keep an eye on that. Well, look, so we're going to finish today. This is our third part, and um, so I want to talk about the blessed life. We chose that title. It's not original to me. It's Robert Morris's uh, information, and I have used some of his stuff, and uh, you know, to help us understand the blessed life. So we're going to finish that up today. And uh, but I was, as I was driving into uh, church this morning, this very profound thing came to me. It was just I don't know where it came. It said, "How much wood could a woodchuck chuck? If a woodchuck could chuck wood, and somebody added a little more to that, I didn't know about." Um, no, that wasn't the deep thing, but it really opened up the door to the next thing, which was how much truth could a teacher teach if a teacher could teach truth? And it was like the Lord was just speaking to me, just saying, David, are you willing to teach what is in, is in my word? Because there's so many people today that are are, end, are, are falling into the trap of teaching what itching ears want to hear. But if we're going to survive this, if we're going to go forward in the church of Jesus Christ, continue to be strong and prolific in its message, then those who are called to do what we do, we need to continue to teach the word of God unashamedly, unabashedly, but straightforward with conviction. And so when we talk about blessing and receiving blessing, you know, it's so easy to fall on one side or the other and just, you know, what I would call scuttling the local church by saying, well, tithing's not in the Bible, and and then you have nothing. You have no organization. You have no strategy. You have no function. Or on the other side, where you build people and you manipulate people into giving and you tell them lies and, and things like that, which is, is, is God's not going to bless that. Somewhere in the middle, there's truth. Somewhere in the middle, the Bible teaches us how to experience blessing. And yes, it does involve giving. So I want to summarize very quickly what we have said already, so get you on track here. The first week we talked about generosity and that how generosity is a part of Christian character, that the, 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 the more we grow in Christ likeness, the more generous we're going to become. Why? Because so much has been given to us. The longer we stay with Christ, the longer we walk with him, the more we are overwhelmed by the amount of, of grace and love and, and, and God's provision that is poured into our life, the more we discover it, the more we experience it. And so out of that comes a growing sense of, of gratitude, which then uh, represents itself or presents itself in generosity. We learned that generous, a generous giver is acting most like God. Why? Because God so loved the world that he gave he gave his only begotten son. He's the greatest giver, and God continues to give. He wants to give. We're going to see that today. Secondly, we, in the next, last week we talked about sowing and reaping, sowing and reaping. And we learned that this, when we embrace what we call a universal law, because in the, in the New Testament there's quite a bit of talk. Jesus talked about sowing and reaping. He said, watch what happens with the seed. Peter and Paul both mentioned that they talk about this, this, this principle when it came to giving. But what we discovered is that it's a universal principle or a law. In other words, it can be observed in the, at working in the earth, in the fields, we can it, it, even in our own bodies. The seed of human beings produces a fruit. And God, everything that God created, he put seed in it in order for it to be able to reproduce. And not just one for one, but with a greater, with increase. And so it's a universal thing. And what we learned is that if you sow seeds big, in other words, what measure you use, it will be given back to you. So if you sow seeds of righteousness, if you sow in faith, then you will reap in faith. You sow big, you're going to reap big. You sow small, you reap small. As a matter of fact, if you don't like what's growing in your field, look at your seed, right? Right? Whether it be if you don't like the kind of crop that's growing there, you don't like what's going on in your life or the fruit of your life, perhaps you're sowing the wrong seed, right? Sowing, as the scripture says, sowing. In Galatians, I think it says, sowing to please your sinful nature. From that nature, we will reap what? Death. We won't reap good things. So we got to. So sowing and reaping is a biblical principle, and we talked about that, and it's working and operating all the time around us. The wise person will take advantage of that and flow with it. Today, we're going to talk about the devoted thing. We're going to talk about the devoted thing. When we devote something to God, that thing will be blessed. Because God says, if you honor me and you give something to me, I will give it back to you but with increase. It's a very powerful principle, and we see this in Scripture. See, blessing from God begins with the fear of the Lord. In the book of Proverbs, it says the beginning of wisdom and knowledge is the fear of the Lord. And if you want to be smart, begin with the fear of the Lord. If you want to be wise, begin with the fear of the Lord. It it encompasses everything. When we honor God, we're being most wise. We're being most knowledgeable. When we honor God, God says, I am going to pour out my blessing upon you. And you're going to see that here right now. So when we talk about the devoted thing... We're gonna talk about persons person, places, and things. See, you can you can devote a person to God. You can devote your wife, your husband to God, you can devote your children to God. You can devote, you know, any person that comes in your life. You say, I want to give them. when it comes to the children, when we have had five children, every one of our children we took, we didn't baptize them because that's a believer's baptism. They they weren't gonna be Baptized until they had a knowledge Of the decision they were making But we, what, what we did as children Is we brought them down here Or where the church we were in at the time and Some of you have done that You come and you dedicate them to God What are you doing? You're devoting that child to the Lord And you're saying God You gave me this child I'm giving him or her back And God says I'll tell you what I'm not going to take that child Like Satan does God says no no you keep him you care for him. I will bless that child because you gave him to me. Now I give him back to you to enjoy the life that I give you, but with something more, a blessing upon it, and, or upon him or upon her. And, man, I tell you what, since we've done that with our children, we've experienced that, we've seen it. You can devote places to God. In other words, you can devote a whole nation to God, and it's biblical. The Bible says that it, the blessed is the nation who honors the Lord who serves God. Blessed is the nation. So we know you can do that. And men, 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 you can see that on the earth taking place even to this day. You can see whole nations being blessed or not blessed. And we'll talk about that in a minute. Uh, and then things. You can devote your home to the Lord. You can devote anything that God has given you and to say, God, I give this to you for your service, to be a blessing, to, to, to whatever you've called me to do. See, devotion comes out of this idea of what we call lordship. When you gave your life to Jesus Christ, you said, Jesus, be the Lord of my life. We don't understand that in our culture today. We don't. Because lordship, of course, the, that concept that, that we use it in an English word really was more medieval and but when the, you know the lords the ladies and the lords but what it was was that when you said that you are the lord it meant that i give everything to you you own me you own my person you own my stuff i give it all to you so when we say jesus christ is lord that's exactly what we're doing we are devoting our whole life everything we have and everything we ever will have goes to god so understand that when you say jesus christ be my Lord. Understand, that's what you're saying is you are devoting everything to Him. Now, in the Old Testament, the concept of devotion was primarily, of course, it it involved people too, the person, place, and things. But what we find when it came to material goods, it was something that was uh, given to God, devoted to God, and God promised that that would be blessed. And we most certainly see it in the tithe, We saw it in offerings and the free will offerings and the grain offerings and the the other different things that they would bring. God said, look, you devote your land, Canaan land, to me, and you honor me with that land, then there'll be a blessing on it, a tremendous blessing on it. And so God introduced this whole concept to the children of Israel. And he, 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 like children, basically just laid it out for them to say, this is my way. If you do things my way then you will be blessed. You will never run short of blessing. So that's interesting. Now, in the New Testament, we take all that and we amplify it even more. Because what happened was the Jews figured out just how to do the minimum that was required. By the time Jesus shows up, the Jews have all figured it out. Oh, man, we can continue to be, you know, acknowledge. We can still be religious if we just do the the minimum requirements of the law. We tithe. We do this. We do that. We only walk 50 yards. God says, don't do this. They created such a system of legalism. And what had happened was they completely forgot the reason for all of this. The law was there to help them to understand the ways of God so they might be blessed. Of course, we know from scripture that it really was a setup that God was creating this this need for a Savior and that the fulfillment in Jesus Christ. But what we find is in the New Testament, Jesus comes and says, look, you've missed it because you're doing the minimum that's required. I am come to amplify. He says, you say in your heart uh, not to murder. I say if you hate them, you've committed murder in your heart. You say don't commit adultery. I say... If you lust in your heart, you've committed adultery already. Do you see the amplification that's taking place there? Jesus is saying, look, it's not just about what you do or do not do. It's about the heart. And what does that really get back to? That original idea of devotion. It gets back to the idea that God is after us to honor him in what we do not just going through the motions. You don't come to church here today just because your, your, your dad or your mother or your husband or your wife wanted you to or that somebody's going to get a good look and see you come in the door. Man, if that's what you're doing, you might as well just have stayed in bed. But if you're here because you want to honor God, because this is the first day of the week, and you're saying, God, I want to begin my week by honoring you with the first fruit of my life. And so you come and you say, I belong to you and my family belongs to you. And the way I want to begin my day, my week, the seven days, is to honor you, to sing songs about you, to let your word come in and pierce my heart, to let and and connect with other believers, to use my gift by looking at someone and say, hey, can I pray with you? Can I stand with you? I want to devote my life to you by dedicating this first day. See, this is an amplification in every way. So Jesus comes, and he says this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 33. He says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added to you as well. Another amplification. What we see is that in in, in the Old Testament was this, Well, look, if you do it my way, you'll be blessed. God says, If you, what I was after in the first place, if you just honor me with your whole life, if you accept the Son as your Savior, if you will devote your very life. Romans chapter 12 makes it clear. Paul puts it together beautifully. He says, we are living sacrifices. That's, he goes on and say that's your reasonable worship, by the way. He said, what is worship? What is New Testament worship? It's everything. It's not 70 minutes on a Sunday. It's not going to revival every year. It's not this. It's not that. It's none of that. It is everything. It's when you leave those buildings. It's when I leave this building. It's when you get up in the morning. It's when you put your head down at night. It's when you're driving to work, coming back. It's when you're on vacation. You belong to him. And Jesus says, if you will seek my kingdom first, notice it's a first fruit then all these things will be added to you. So what he's saying is, look, I know you're concerned about where your money's going to come from. I know he knows you're concerned about how God, you're going to feed yourself and all the needs that you have. Because the disciples were over there going, man, this Jesus, he's talking about us giving everything and everything. You know, how are we going to, where are we going to get money? Where, how are we going to live? Just like Tammy. I mean, God was saying, look, I want you to test me in this. It is human nature for us to say, well, then how am I going to be cared for? See, when we get to that point, we are testing the absolute essential value of who it is that cares for you and who is on the throne of your life. He's either Lord or not. When we get into anxiety, when we start bailing out and let Visa and MasterCard come to our rescue, when we let all of those things come in and become a replacement for the work of God for the miracles of God, for the, for the supernatural ravens that come and feed us, then we don't understand who really God is. And that's what he's really after, to seek him first, and then all these things will be taken care of as well. So how do we devote something to God? We just give it to him. I give my marriage to God. I say every day, Lord, I want to be the best husband I can be. And so, Lord, my marriage, it belongs to you. May it certainly be centered around you. See, I, I think we compartmentalize Christians way too much. We think, well, I'm a Christian, but over there I don't have a, marriage, a Christian marriage. Well, I believe, you know, in, in raising my kids, you know, as Christians. Yeah, but do they walk in the fear of the Lord? And do you encourage that? Do you challenge them in the choices they're making? Do you, uh, you know, I didn't say this in the other two services, but, you know, I embrace this concept, and Jamie and I have talked about this before. We, I, I've embraced the concept of the bar mitzvah. Of course, it's a Jewish uh, coming-of-age uh, ceremony. And the reason why I do is because I want my children. I'm not Jewish, and I'm not trying to make them Jews. But I, what I do, I embrace the concept of coming-of-age. And I would, I, every one of my children, I would look them right in the eye while we have this little celebration. And I'll say, look, today, Meredith and Tate, they're all here. I said, today... You are coming into the age of accountability. From here on out, at the age of 13, I see you as a man. Meredith, when you come, when she was 13, I looked at her and I said, you are a woman. Now, you may not all be there physically and even mentally yet, but in God's eyes, you are. And it's amazing. You know, I don't know why I'm sharing this. Maybe there's somebody here who needs to hear this. But it's amazing. My children never really went through this thing called the wild teenage years. Why? because i didn't expect it it's because in my mind i was like we're going to skip this i am calling you forth to be a young man and to serve god and they looked at me and said okay see the problem is why so many young people don't act right it's because we're not expecting them we haven't we haven't given them any ground to come into we haven't, we haven't brought this place where it more, more of our society expects them to bug out and to go weirdo on us for about six, seven years there. Oh, they're just teenagers, man. Just let them do what they're going to do. I, I don't believe in that. Sorry, I don't. I'm sorry if I step on your toes. Um, I believe that once we, come to a, a, once we come into that age of accountability, when we come into a place that, I tell you what, young people will rise up to be able to use their gifts for the glory of God. They will come up, and, man, I tell you what, they can get through those difficult, difficult years like it was nothing, like it was just like, where did their time go? Oh, that was for free this morning. I, I hope it blesses you. But I, that's my, my personal conviction, and, and I'm here to tell you I, uh, I think I've borne its fruit. So how do we devote something to God? We, we, we give our marriage. We give our finances. We give our children. We give them everything. We devote it to God, and we experience. Remember this principle. Whatever you devote to God is blessed by God. You give your marriage, your marriage gets blessed. You devote your children, your children get blessed. You devote your finances, your finances are blessed. I mean, there's a lot of people in the world whose finances are a mess. It's because they haven't dedicated it to God, hasn't been devoted to God, yielded fully to God. When we talk about the tithe, or the tenth is what it means, it was God's way of teaching his people a way to honor him by giving what we have to him. And he wasn't asking for all of it. In Tammy's case, God was saying, look, I want you to go deeper because we need a big, God was saying, look, we're going to need a big scoop here to get you out of this hole. So we need a bigger scoop. Thank God Tammy believed God. She trusted him. And God met her. But in our lives, I'll tell you what, and and, and we've got to start with the tithe, which God says, look, I'm not asking for all of it. I just want you to take the first fruit of it and honor me. And when we do that, the rest of it gets blessed. That is so powerfully biblical, I don't understand why people can't embrace it. and, And so regarding the curious debate of the New Testament legitimacy of the tithe, when, and this is a wonderful question, I believe it was Steve, who, who asked this, when did God or the writers of the New Testament tell people to stop the practice of tithing? You can't find that either. The truth is, those who understand this, who have been affected by the, by the Old Testament, who understood that the, that, that the practice of tithing goes well and way beyond the Old Testament law, it, it started with Adam and Eve, it worked in Abraham's life. And Jamie's going to tell you a little bit more about that in his series on, on grace. You're going, to, you're going to see that so many things that, that, that what we experience in the New Testament were hidden in, in very powerful forms in the Old Testament and spring to life with new power and grace in our lives as believers now. Now, look, I'm going to look at uh, Malachi 3. Tammy uh, quoted that. It says this, I, the Lord, do not change. Now, when God starts that way, look, that's theology 101. It's called the immutability of God. God doesn't change. What God says is, look, if you honor me, I'll bless you. He hasn't changed his mind on that. And you know what? It's never too late to start honoring God. You can say, well, look, I haven't blessed him with my finances so far. I might as well just ride this thing out. No, 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 don't do that. You can jump into honoring God with your life at any point, whether you can devote anything, any time, to start fresh. But God doesn't change. He says, so you, the descendants of Jacob, are not destroyed. And why? It's because he committed to Jacob. There's a hidden truth in here, and it's this, that God said he's going to bless his people for what? Generations upon generations upon generations. Okay? Abraham's blessing. He said, I'm going to bless the whole earth through your offspring, which meant the Jews, of course, but the rest of us get that same Abrahamic blessing. And so he says, Jacob, he says, you are the descendants of Jacob and you're not destroyed. Why? Because he said, I promised your great, 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 great granddaddy that I wouldn't do it. Ever since the time of your ancestors, you have turned away from my decrees and have not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you, says the Lord Almighty. So here God is saying, look, gosh, I gave you all this truth, but you guys keep turning away from it. And as a result, you keep Struggling, you you keep you you're lacking the blessing. And he says, "So look, I am still here since I haven't changed." He says, "You need to move to me. I'm not going to move to you because he already has. He's already waiting." He said, "He says I'll. He says return and I will return to you." So there is a there's a movement by God, but the truth is he's got he hasn't gone anywhere. He's waiting on us. But you ask, how are we to return? And he says, will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. And they're like, well, how do we rob you, God? I mean, how do we do that? He says, in tithes and offerings. You are under a curse. You're a whole nation because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse that there may be food in my house. Now, there's a whole lot going on here. First of all, he's saying, look, you guys don't understand that when you don't honor, when you don't give, you're not honoring me. Because look, when you give, when you devote something, see if you've been following me, what happens when we devote something to God? We get blessed. That thing gets blessed. You devote your property to God, God blesses the property. You devote your money to God, God blesses the money. He's saying right here, you know, uh, he's saying right here, he says, you're a curse, under a curse. Why a curse? Because they didn't devote. Their money to God. They weren't honoring God with the first fruit of their wealth. And he says, man, you guys are really, the whole nation of you has no longer been honoring me. And he said, you're robbing for me. You're keeping it from the storehouse, which is where I want you to put it. Now he goes, test me in this. The only place in Scripture where we see God challenging us that, saying, come on, man, test me. Watch what I do. It's almost like I get this feeling that God is up there with the floodgates with just a little cotter pin, just saying, and looking over the top of the the gate and just saying, give it a shot. I am so ready to pour this out on you, but all you have to do is acknowledge me. You just need to honor me, and I'm ready to pull the pin, and it... He says, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much of a blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. See, we're, most of us, we just live from paycheck to paycheck, like Mike talked about last week. But God is saying, I don't want you to live there. I want you to live where, like, when, when, when you think of floodgates from heaven, I think of Noah and how God poured out the floodgates upon the earth so that Noah was floating on top of the things of God. And that's where God wants us to be, man, floating around on the blessings of God, that it, it's been poured out so much upon us. But it doesn't stop there. There's more that comes with this. There is the presence of blessing, but there's also the presence of prevention. Check this out. I will prevent pests from devouring your crops, and the vines in your fields will not drop their fruit before it is ripe. Now, look, you know, I'm going to talk about the curse in a minute. But do you know the, cur- the earth is under a curse? It is. It goes all the way back to Adam and Eve, and he says, you will toil, you will struggle. There will be weeds. There'll be insects biting on you the whole time you're doing this. But God says, "I, when you honor me, I will cause you to live above that. I will bless it so that the restrain of the curse, there'll be a restraint. I will rebuke the devourer. I will come and cause wonderful things to happen if we honor him with the first fruit of our wealth. Israel experienced that in cycles. Study it for yourself in the book of Judges. They saw it, and they didn't see it. And it says, then all the nations will call you blessed, for yours will be a delightful land, says the Lord Almighty. I'll tell you what, you want to, I mean, you can see this in operation today. Jump on an airplane and fly over the Dominican Republic in Haiti. And when you fly over the Dominican Republic, what you'll see is resorts, green, lush, jungle, beautiful areas, beaches, And at night, you'll see lights just cover the expanse of all the people that are enjoying electricity and prosperity. But the moment you cross that line, you'll see darkness. You'll see vegetation, brown and dead, no resorts, if anything, just the struggle. And at night, you won't see very many lights on. Not much prosperity. And and especially even after, what was it, an earthquake that they had that, that just devastated it even more? Folks, do you know that the leaders of that nation dedicated their nation to Satan? I don't know how many hundreds of years ago, but their leaders rose up and said, we're going to dedicate our land to Satan himself. Well, Satan took it, and it's cursed. There's a curse upon it. Now, thankfully, after the earthquake, the, the, the president at the time rose up, and he repented for that. He did a Daniel identificational repentance and said from here on out, we, we do not believe that anymore. We dedicate this land to Christ. So it'll be interesting to watch to see what happens. But you could, that can happen, and you can see it. And it makes you even wonder, where are we as a nation? One of the more blessed nations on the planet, without question. And yet, as we continue to pull away from God, pulling his name out of the schools, pulling his name out of the courts, pulling his name and, and Christians being threatened and told, you can't speak In the name of Jesus Christ, don't don't do that. Where where is that all headed? Well, we don't we won't know until I mean, we can we can assume. As a leader and a a, a person who has studied scripture, I can I can safely assume that not very many good things. Let me share another thing with you. In the scripture, God said, look, I want to bless you. But the land and I want to bless this land. So every seventh year now, catch this, this is really, really powerful. Every seventh year, God said, let the land rest. Whatever you sow in the field, let it stay. Don't pick the crops. Don't pick your fruit. Don't take, sow your seed, but let it lay dormant. Let it just, just stay in the field so that it falls into the field. We know now what that's doing is it's replenishing the soil. It's giving the soil a break. But God told him, I want you to do that to honor me and take that whole year and thank God for the previous six years of blessing so that you will take one whole year to honor me. That's amazing, isn't it? One whole year to let it lay dormant. It's called the time of Shemitah, the year of Shemitah. Now, here's what will blow your mind. Here in the United States, of course, we've never you know, functioned and done anything like that. Now, individual farmers may have, but as a nation, I don't think we've ever acknowledged that. Because also during that time, there's supposed to be the forgiving of debt. There's supposed to be all kinds of other good things happening. Every Great Depression or Great Depression and every major recession our nation has ever experienced, not every single one, but most of them have happened during the year of Shemitah. Now let that one sink in. And what's even scarier is this September marks the year of Shemitah. Israel will be celebrating it. It'll be interesting to see where are we going to be in September during the Feast of Trumpets. Who knows? It could, might not be. I wouldn't necessarily live my life according to that because you know what? I fear God, and I honor God with the first fruit of my wealth. And I'm going to walk through the water and not drown. I'm going to walk through the fire and not be burned. I don't put my hope in nations. I put my hope in God. I don't put my hope in, in legal systems. I don't put my hope in, in any, any system or person. I put my full hope in Jesus Christ as my provider and the living God who I honor with every aspect of my life. Amen? And I hope you're with me because you're going to need to be. As the earth continues to struggle and try to force the living God out of it, they will find out very quickly that God says, Oh, no, this is mine first. And I'm going to bless my inhabitants, those who honor me. So God does not take the tithe, but he wants to be used for his work on earth. And this is something that people, you know, we know that the earth is subject to the devourer and that this is a result of the curse. And this can, can be rebuked and stopped in its tracks when we honor God. So the final thoughts I have on this is that when we talk about a, score, a storehouse in the New Testament, we, we qualified as that. We, we, don't, we don't believe in the temple. The body is the temple of the Holy Spirit now. We know that to be true. There's no more temples, but there is the gathering of his beloved bride called the church. That's us. And we're a storehouse here. We're a place where we gather and we strategize and we get a vision from God. And he says, okay, look, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to to raise up pastors and apostles and teachers and prophets. And I want you to send them to the nations. And I want you to make sure they have what they need to do, what they're called to do. And I want you to plant churches. And I want you to send missionaries and to be a, a place where we can make all that happen. And that happens as a result of being a storehouse. So that as we believers, as we honor God with the first fruit of our wealth, comes here. So many awesome things happen. The kingdom of God advances, and we get blessed because we honor him. That's God's heart. You know, it's been asked, am I cursed if I don't tithe? No. You'll never, ever hear us say that. No way. Not in a sense of punishment. Absolutely not. But there will be of what we would call the absence of blessing, as I've explained it to you. If you don't honor God with your wealth, then all you get is just wealth as the earth would give it. But it doesn't come with a blessing, and that's something you need to absolutely understand. It's fundamental. It's not that God curses you. The truth is, is there a curse on the land? Yeah, it's called rust. It's called you know, uh, things that rot. It's called things, the, the, you know, the second law of thermodynamics, everything going from a state of order to disorder. Where did that come from? It's called a curse, my friends, because that's not the way God created the universe to begin with. But we all are subject to it, aren't we? And God says, I will rebuke that if you honor me. So you see the difference You don't have to give. I'm never going to tell you to do that. I'm not going to come up here and say, look, you can't be a part of Valley Community Church if you don't give. All I've been doing here is appealing to you what we read in the Scripture. If you want to be blessed, if you want to break this spirit of poverty over this region, then, folks, imagine that if every Christian in this community decided to honor God with the first fruit of their wealth, what might happen? What might get released in this community? What dark spirits might be broken over it that have been invited through greed? Man, just imagine. So no, we're not cursed, but there will be an absence of blessing if it's not devoted to God. What about grace? You know, people want to say, look, I, am I not free, you know, from the law, of the Old Testament law? This is what I would call a fundamental misunderstanding of what grace is. Jamie's going to teach on this. So I'm not going I'm, I'm to spoil your deal, but I'm going to share a couple of things that he's going to expand on. But see, grace is not getting, out of re- getting a get-out-of-responsibility-free card, okay? Grace is not saying, God, come and you say, look, I've forgiven your sin. Look, I don't need anything from you, so you just live however you want to live. And yet, a lot of Christians embrace that. They just say, oh, man, I believe in love. I've been hearing a lot about love lately. But see, love also comes with responsibility. If I defraud someone, is that love? Yeah, but my motive was love, not if they didn't receive it that way. We can go on and on about love now. See, love is also sacrificing. It's agape love. Jesus died because he loved us. Sometimes love means saying no. Love also might be saying, we don't need to be doing this because I might have emotional love for you, But I'm not giving the kind of love that will cause you to grow closer to God. In that sense, you're defrauding them. You're robbing them. That ain't love. So getting back to grace here, grace is God doing for us what we cannot do for ourselves. Grace releases us from the bondage of sin, but it also gives us the ability to obey God to do righteous things. That's what grace does. Grace takes off the pressure, and God comes in, because under the law, we couldn't do it. We'd fall, and we would would die without hope. But Jesus came in and took the punishment for sin. He died on the cross for our sins, and now what he does is, through grace, gives us the ability to say no to ungodliness and to say yes to godliness. And that's where Jamie's going to expand. Bottom line is he causes us to will and to do of his good pleasure. That's the grace of God working in us. So what, is that, what does that mean? That means he's now freed us up to honor him with the first fruit of our wealth and to enjoy its fruit, to devote things in our life. We're freed to do that. Before, the you know, under the law, it was like, man, do I got to do this? Mm-mm. Now we can do it with great delight and experience its blessing. Now, you know, I know, I mean, I know a lot of believers who say, you know, I just, uh, yeah Pastor David, love you. I mean, that preach is good. And that's fine. I'm not going to say another thing regarding that except to say, look, man, I do love you and I want the most for you. But I'd rather not sit for weeks upon end trying to help you get through real major difficulties in your life that could have been avoided if you just would have devoted your life, your marriage, your kids, and your money to God. Amen? Amen. Let's stand up this morning. And here's the beauty. I've given you a message. Now the Holy Spirit's ready to make it happen in you. I can't do that, (laughs) but he can. Let's bow our heads before the Lord. Lord, we thank you that you're here today and you love us and you're for us. And that, Lord, we now have the spirit of life in Christ Jesus, which comes with an amazing amount of grace, your power that will cause us to will, to want to, and to do, to follow through upon your word. But it's not enough in these days to say, I'm a believer. It's not enough in these days for us to say, I believe, I believe. The Bible tells us that even Satan believes, and he trembles. Lord, let us be people, Lord, that walk with devoted lives this day. Father, all across this room right now, let a fresh, good conviction, no, no condemnation, but a fresh conviction that produces life in us. Holy Spirit, we invite you. Help us. Help us take new steps. Help us take new steps. Lord, when we live for ourselves, God, we sow in the flesh. And the book of Galatians teaches us that, Lord, if we sow to please our sinful nature, from that nature, we will reap death. But, Lord, if what we do is to sow to please you from our new nature, From that nature, we will reap life. So wonderfully biblical, God. So wonderfully powerful. Lord, let us enjoy the fruit of it in these days, Lord, especially during these times, God, that are going to get very tumultuous. So, Lord, we thank you. Bless us and keep us as we go today. Work in us, God. New truth. In Jesus' name, amen.